electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people make friends just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me, 1-800-743-CBC, or tweet me at Jim Kramer. We're in the eye of the storm. Only when we got down almost 20% from our highs did we realize that the storm just wasn't that violent. We're dealing with a normal cyclical downturn and not serious systemic devastation. And that's how the Dow rallied 466 points today. S&P surged 2.39%, and the NASDAQ came all the way back, going up 3.82%. Still a tough week, but a nice finish. Now, I think we've simply been overrun by bad events here, which make habitual dip buyers too terrified to take action on the way down. The parade of horribles is committed to memory by now. Ukraine, inflation, Fed's response in, uh, to inflation, China lockdown. So when you add a fourth, the Bitcoin crash, well, it all becomes too much and the market falls apart and people worried about the center not holding. Then a funny thing happens when stocks go down, though. The risk goes down, too, which is one reason the market so often tends to find a floor down 20 percent from its highs, which it did again. When we've been beaten down to these levels, we reach a point where stocks that would normally be clubbed have already taken enough hits. And that alone has allowed them to have at least a short covering rebound, which is what today might have been. Which brings me, of course, to my game plan for next week. On Monday, we have, we have a lot of classic cases this week of exactly what happened today. On Monday, take two interactive reports, and this video game company is down more than 100 points from its all-time highs. But has anything actually changed here? Yes. The games have gotten better. And even though the world's going back to normal, people are still playing them. Admittedly, if the stock were still at $200, it would be a disaster waiting to happen. I know that. But down 110, uh-uh. I'm telling you, it is okay. Next, you tell me what the weather will be, and I will tell you how much I want to own shares in Home Depot when it reports Tuesday. This is a great retailer. To, it caters to every homeowner's needs, but most importantly, it caters to the spring and summer season for everything from grills, which have not been that, uh, doing that well, uh, to just the tomato flats. Good weather this weekend, and I bet the stock will erupt. Now, I'm not as certain, by the way, about Walmart. 
That's a name owned by my travel trust, simply because it's been bouncing around way too much. But the stock's at the low end of its recent range. It traded at 159 not that long ago, so it might be good for trade. Now, by the way, we are always, always, always wanting to test the market's appetite for companies that recently came public. And next week, we've got three of them. I mentioned Weber for Grills. That will be on sale. Maybe have a big weekend at Home Depot. Warby Parker, which has lost people a lot of money. And then uh, Doximity, another one that has lost people a lot of money. It's an online network for doctors. All the new stocks have been disastrous, people. And I know that. And it's one of the reasons why I've been so concerned about the market. There's too much money being lost. Let's find out how forgiving this market's willing to be when it comes to these recently, uh, uh, the relatively recent IPOs. And I'm betting... Uh, maybe by the time we get to here, they'll be unforgiving again. But you can get a bounce in these. Hey, look out. James Bullard from the Fed speaks out Tuesday, and he's a hawk's hawk. He's also my kind of hawk. Bullard knows it's only going to get harder to break the cycle of inflation. The Fed doesn't act decisively right now. He'll have a lot to work with because retail sales come on Tuesday morning. And I expect them to be very strong, too, because the consumer's so strong. Too strong as far as the Fed's concerned. And I'm still upset that Jay Powell, whom you know I think is a great Fed chief, took that 75 basis points off the table. Wednesday's the day of fireworks. As Target has to do better, this is unfortunate the way the calendar works, Target has to do better than Walmart, okay, and Lowe's has to do better than Home Depot. That's the comparisons, and if they don't, the stocks get hit. Now, at least that's the conventional wisdom. You know what? This time around, I disagree because of how bad the market's been. It's so beat up that all of them might work here. I see these retail stocks as barometers to the consumer. These are all companies that either help homeowners and people who are still buying homes for now, even with a spike in mortgage rates, which makes sense given the fact that even though there's going to be a slowdown, it's just a better deal than renting because the rents have gone up too much. Good or bad, we'll figure out which aisles have goods that are selling well, tools, paints, and then we can come back with a battle plan. Next up, people have really turned against TJX, the parent of TJ Maxx and Marshalls, because they think that it has a merchandise problem. These guys typically buy excess inventory from regular retailers at bargain basement prices. But what if nobody's got excess inventory? What if there's no glut? There was a problem like that, but since Christmas... So much seasonal merchandise got stuck on boats and ended up coming in late that the stuff now has a home, TJX. I'm predicting a good quarter, although the stock often starts off soft when they report the news and the rallies come in later in the day. So be prepared. The people who act fast are usually wrong. Now, the silence out of Cisco, the networking kingpin, I find has been deafening. As a shareholder for my charitable trust, which, of course, you can follow along by joining the CMC Investing Club, I am actually beginning to wonder if the hope for upside surprise from all those orders that were nodded happens or if they're afraid knots related to Europe. That's a big market for Cisco. In order for this one to work, the company needs to speed up its shift from hardware to software, or else the stock is going to get clobbered, probably get protection from some of its dividend, maybe to three and a half level. I, again, I'm not that bullish on it because I'm just not hearing the kind of pin action I like. Thursday morning, we hear from an outfit. Oh, boy, I got to tell you, this place is this is in the fire line. It's called Kohl's. The drama seems to be winding down with this one in terms of a challenge to the board. But how about an actual offer from one of these private equity firms that keeps saying they want to put money to work? I doubt Kohl's has any desire to sell. The board's quite entrenched. But at the right price, of course, anything's possible. I think this could be a three down, ten up situation because the stock's fallen so far from its highs. I like those odds. You know what could be the single best story of the week? Palo Alto Networks on Thursday night. 
This is the best of breed operator in the cybersecurity space, and that business isn't going away. Even as the stock has come down with everything else in tech, I bet we'll be pleasantly surprised. I like what CyberArk had to say. Obviously, the bad guys are taking no vacation. Now, one of the worst areas in this whole market has been the semiconductor capital equipment space, which is so counterintuitive. It's astounding. Now, we know from speaking to Tom Caulfield, the CEO of Chip Manufacturer Global Foundries, that demand is soaring. He sold out for two years. So why shouldn't the semiconductor equipment place be soaring too? Now, one of the reasons why is that Lamb Research, a big competitor, trimmed its estimates last time, and that could happen to applied materials. Uh, but remember, Lamb's problem was a shortage of materials, not a hit to orders. We keep hearing that as a theme for this quarter. Applied materials could change the cadence. Now, just as I like TJX here, I'm also looking forward to raw stores on Thursday night, one that I haven't in a long time. They're in a similar business. Wall Street's not giving these off-price plays enough credit because there hadn't been enough off-price merchandise. The apparel name everyone hates is VF Corp. And with so many other stocks down, you know what? I'm going to tell you, I don't want to get there. You can go do it, not me. Now, there's another one that's the same way. People are always drawn to Foot Locker. They think it's cheap, cheap, cheap. I'm not one of those. I like quality growth. You like Foot Locker, please, Locker just please go buy Nike. However, I do like Deer, which also reports Friday. I like it because 13% of all the calories in the world are being destroyed by the pointless, inane, and criminal war that Russia's waging against Ukraine. Famine's beginning to break out around the globe. The price of all grains is through the stratosphere, and that means Deer's year could be very good. But this is another stock that tends to react very poorly to the headlines and then rebound at the end of the conference call. Patience is a virtue. Here's the bottom line. Many stocks have finally come down to the point where it's safe to be constructive. As long as you stay away from the most toxic areas. So I'm breathing a sigh of relief here. I want to go to Blake in Illinois, please. Blake. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Blake. Happy Friday from the Windy City. Oh, hey, terrific. How have you been? Doing great. So just wanted to pick your brain a little bit. I'm curious about your thoughts on Dollar General. Been a big fan of the stock since I visited a new store in Ohio, visiting some family. Surprised to see brand name items, fresh produce. Huge shift from how I remember the stores in the 90s as a kid. Fundamentals are solid as far as I can tell. The, the Q4 earnings resulted in a good bump, but it's been downhill ever since. Blake, you, you are know, look- so right. Our viewers are so smart. There's been a share gain. They are doing much better. Uh, Dollar General, by the way, I like a lot more. Unfortunately, I like Dollar Tree to visit more than Dollar General. My Dollar General is not that great. But I think you're right in a trade-down business, which hasn't happened yet, but a lot of people anticipate that will be a very good one. No, we need to go to Bob in New York. Bob. Hey, Jim. Uh, just wanted to say thank you to your staff. And Nicole is so darn polite. Uh, they're just great. And I wanted to let you know that. She uh, sure is. And I'm glad you pointed that out because people don't get enough credit around here for making me look good, most certainly. How can I help? Jim, uh, a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned that uh, you added to your Microsoft position for the trust. True. And, and some things are confusing about what you're saying. And then a, a couple of uh, weeks later, a week and a half later, you said it was too expensive. So we were a bit confused by that. And then on the morning show, when you mentioned Apple, you kind of um, equivocated on it by saying at, at the very last moment, You'll be okay with Apple. It didn't sound like there was any conviction with either Microsoft or Apple. Am I misunderstanding that? No, no. I mean, what I was trying to do was I trying to be able to sell stocks 
uh, and then buy them back after they come back to different levels. So what I was really focused on was the actual level. I wanted uh, Apple to go down 20 percent before I felt it made, the, it made the right price. I wanted Microsoft to fall 50 points. So what I was really doing was relative work about how far it had come down, not itself making a judgment about the stocks. I promise you I will be clearer in these alerts that I send out for the investing, comp- investing uh, club because of what you said. I did not get that right. I apologize. I was not clear in my thinking. It was a tough week. I won't let it happen again, or I certainly won't try. Let's go to Rachel in Florida, please. Rachel. Hi, Jim. Thanks so much. Um, I'm a longtime listener, but first-time caller and a 31-year-old member of your investment club. Thank you. Um, I had so many stocks that I wanted to ask you about today, but I only could choose one. I'm up about 5-6%. Is Lululemon a hold, buy, or sell? Okay, I think Lulu had a remarkable investing day, really one of the better. You can go through the whole deck. I I think that this decline represents an opportunity for Lulu. I know there's more risk owning Lulu than a lot of other stocks because it does sell at a high price earnings multiple. But they are executing at a level that no other apparel company is executing. And they have an ethos and a culture that makes it so I think it's worth a premium multiple. And by the way, Rachel and, of course, Bob, thank you so much for joining the Investing Club. The other day I talked over someone who was very gracious about it. That was a mistake. We're working hard on the club each week. I did a special video just tonight. I'm not going to rest until everyone is a member because I have done this for 16 years, and I think I know what the heck I'm doing. Uh, But, of course, I didn't do it all here, but now I do it. Many stocks have finally come down to the point where I think it's safe to be constructive. I'm breathing a sigh of relief heading into the weekend because I don't think that stable coin is going to bring us down anymore. Well, man, money tonight. Hostess looks sweet this week on the Wall Street Fashion Show, didn't it? So is it time to take a bite of the company, find the infamous Twinkies, which I thought was going to close at one time? I'm checking in with the very motivated CEO. Then from sweet to salty, I'm taking a closer look at UTS, that's UTZ kind, after today's post-earnings move higher with the chip maker's top brass. And Zebra Technology stock's been cut in half. It's so good, they're buying back stock aggressively. I'm learning more about how the sector is faring with the company CEO. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving.
When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash mad money terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need indeed. As I tell club members, you got to keep high grading your portfolio, meaning sell your beaten down losers, especially the momentum names that have lost momentum and it ain't coming back, and swap into stocks that can actually win when the Fed's slamming the brakes on the economy. Stocks like Hostess Brands, the packaged food company you know from Twinkies, Ding Dongs, Ho-Hos, and of course, Hostess Cupcakes. While the S&P 500 is down more than 15% for the year, this stock is up roughly 15%. Could it drift 5.7% move today? We know they're doing well because last week, Hostess supported a robust top and bottom line beat, with management raising their full-year sales growth forecast pretty aggressively. But because of raw cost inflation, management left their earnings forecast unchanged. That's okay. It caused an initial hit, but people then realized this is what's happening all over the place. Since then, Wall Street has reassessed this one. Investors circled around the, the wagons around it because it's recession-proof. Next thing you know, the stock came roaring back. Now, I bet it has more room to run, but don't take it from me. Let's check in with the bankable Andy Callahan. He's the president CEO of Hostess Brands to get a better read on the quarter and the inflation issue. Mr. Callahan, welcome back to Mad Mart. Jim, always good to be here. Okay, so Andy, I, look, I, I'm from a taste cake family, right, in Philadelphia. I mean, if you did 2% growth, it would be a very big deal. How are you putting up these numbers? 25% year-over-year growth. What is happening? This brand is old. A lot of people thought it was tired. It had been footballed. You've reignited it. What the heck have you done here? Uh, Jim, uh, we're growing. We are growing. We're focused on growth, and we have a portfolio to grow. We've uh, transformed our portfolio into segments that are growing at a greater rate. We've invested in capabilities and innovation that drive that growth. We're launching our first advertising campaign. We've invested in product quality, so our repeat rate of new users is twice out of the uh, category in total. So consumers are reimagining, we're reimagining Hostess and the brand portfolio with innovation, talking to the consumers about it, and they're coming back for more. I and that'll it, drive growth. I think it's important to note that to me, the most compelling way to get people would be to try to go after people who are 13 and under. But that may not be the best thing to do. And so you've decided you shouldn't do it. Jim, that's aligned with our philosophy. We do not advertise the kids. We recently signed a pledge with the uh, Children's Food and Beverage Advertising Initiative. It aligned with our principles. Uh, But we have great products. We'll talk to moms. Matter of fact, 18 to 24-year-old consumers from a recent Harris ad age poll ranks us as one of the fastest trending a high appealing brands. That's reimagining to a new consumer. It's not going to impact our growth 
Consumers are going to try us. They're going to love us. We're reintroducing to a new generation. And if mom wants to share with her kids in their lunchbox, we're available to us. Mom can make that decision. And then you decided to go into cookies with a brand that I, I always thought was a dead brand. Obviously not. You reignited uh, this Wortman's cookies. Jim, we, we bought Wortman a little over two years ago. It is now growing at a faster rate at 29% growth in Q1 at margins that are above the hostess average. We bought it for we, the synergies, by the way, that we integrated it and the team executed it perfectly. We're at 20, close to $20 million, close to 20% of sales. We cut the SKUs in half, integrated it into our distribution. But what's more exciting for all those successes and where we are today, the runway is long. We're innovating a bit behind that brand. We're investing in product quality like we were. We have crispy minis coming out, a sugar-free in a shareable package to get into a new occasion. There's a lot of great stuff going on with Wortman's as well. I know there are people who want to talk about the cost headwinds. When I see this kind of growth, I frankly know that you can get both price and you have volume. I don't want to put it in the top of mind thing about why I shouldn't buy hostess. You're triumphing over, over price increases. You are not lagging. We're building a super uh, uh, powerhouse of snacking. So it starts with the consumer to be able to have strong demand. The price, the costs are high. We price as a last resort. Mm-hmm. We want, to, we want to drive efficiency within our model, manage mix, manage revenue growth management, produce at the most efficient rate. And we have a great track record of being able to do that. But with prices up, we expect it low double digit pricing this year. It's now in the high teens. So we get to the point where we need to break even. But with all of that, we're an affordable snack still. Even with the pricing within the complex of consumers have for snacking, we're typically resilient to recessions. We have low private label penetration. We're accessible across multiple channels. It's one of the strengths of our business. So we do it as a last resort, but those costs are high, and I'm hoping they get uh, settled uh, pretty me too. soon. Now, one last thing, innovation is extraordinary. You brought me some of these booths, these jumbo donut chocolate mochas. Now, tomorrow, if, you know, tonight I might be out with the guys, okay? So it might be a little bit more of a vicious night than usual. It is Friday. I found that this boost was the greatest thing I have had. It's coffee and donut. Who came up with this? This is a great, this is the innovation uh, powerhouse that we have. We have a pipeline of innovation for years to go. Tina Lambert and her team with our marketing team come up with great ideas. Great ideas can come from anywhere. And that is, that is consumer grounded. We focus with the consumer. We understand what they want. And this is for our single serve male consumer. They responded tremendously. When we put out the initial press release, it had over a billion impressions. That's a lot. That's crazy. So the energy behind it's really great. And it's moving out in the distribution now. And initial sales are really encouraged. Well, I want people to know that before Andy got involved, there were a lot of people who felt that this business was going to close. Why? Because it was out of date and people didn't want it. If anything, it's the most up to date and people crave it. That's Andy Callahan, great quarter, CEO of Hostess Brands. Andy, thank you so much for coming on Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. We're just getting started. Appreciate it. I believe you are. I believe you are. Mad Money's back into the brink. Coming up, can this company put a little starch in your portfolio? Don't be a couch potato. Kramer crunches the numbers with an iconic brand. Next. 
you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. When the stock market is rolling over in anticipation of a Fed-mandated slowdown, which is, you know, what we have going on here, you normally circle the wagons around the classic recession-proof stocks, right? These are the traditional safe havens where people are worried about a recession. But right now, we've got such rampant inflation, which is putting a ton of pressure on the old-school safety stocks, like the packaged food companies. That's why you can't just buy any old food play. You need to stick with the ones that have enough pricing power to offset their higher costs. If Wall Street decides you don't have enough pricing power, then your stock, it will struggle. The thing is, sometimes Wall Street just gets it wrong. Consider the case of Utz Brands, UTZ, the potato chip company with some other snack brands I like. I hope you like them. Uh, Saps, On the Border, Tortillas, Boulder Canyon. Here's a stock that fell from $30 just over a year ago to $12 this Wednesday, largely because of pricing power worries. Then yesterday morning, Utz reported a magnificent quarter, stunning 21% organic growth, solid earnings speed. Even better, they raised their full-year sales forecast dramatically. Of course, they're seeing higher costs, too, which is why they left their earnings outlook unchanged. But their sales numbers were so good that the cost of stock to jump nearly 8% yesterday and another 6.7% today. I think we're seeing a wholesale reevaluation of this company in the wake of a great quarter that could have huge implications for the stock. So let's dig deeper with Dylan Lissette. He is the CEO of Utz Brands to find out more about the quarter and where his company is headed. Dylan, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me back. All right. So uh, let's go right to it. On April 12th, Credit Suisse came out and said, you know what? You don't really want to buy this stock. Why? Because they do not have the ability to pass on the raw costs. Now, it turned out that it was the opposite. How is it possible that people could be so wrong about your brand and what it means to the consumer? Well, I think uh, one thing I'll say is if you look today, we actually had a, uh, a little bit of a rebuttal there from Credit Suisse where they acknowledged the uh, pricing power of our brands. You know, Jimmy, a, a year ago, February, March of 2021, we had literally just gone public. We had just bought the On the Border brand in November, December of uh, 2020. Leading into 2021, we were putting in a new ERP system that February. Um, and so there was a lot of stuff going on. And what we really didn't have at the time that the ERP and our team built since that time is the ability to really understand pricing, to really anticipate pricing, but more importantly, to execute on that pricing. We have tens of thousands of customers. And if you can imagine trying to roll out a pricing program to those customers using like an old technology, it's very hard to do. Fast forward to where we are today. I think you saw in our uh, remarks from my Wonderful CFO, uh, Ajay Kataria, 7% in January, 9% in February, 11% in March, and uh, that pricing power continues to build. We've got fantastic brands. They've been around for 100 years. You can see from the sales results, it's not just price, it's volume and price, it's new distribution, it's core growth, 
So all around a very strengthening uh, quarter for us from a brand and sales and uh, pricing power perspective. Well, I remember when you first came on, you said you thought you had big runway. It now looks like the runway is the country. The whole country can use your products, correct? Uh, that's, that's right. I mean, what we really are trying to do, um, and I think we explained this when we first came on and maybe in between right. when I've been on with you before, Jimmy, you know, we really want to create something that has scale and relevance across the United States. We're very unique in our ability. We have today almost 2,100 DSD routes. It's about half of our business. We really do have the ability to service the entire country. We're partnering with large retailers, right, in the Southeast, ones that serve the entire country. As someone who can deliver the goods that have great brands, that can supply them, that can market them and make them really um, uh, attractive to consumers, and we're winning on that regard. I mean, it's something we've been doing, like I said, for 100 years. So it's um, it's a developing uh, ability that we have, but it's been rooted in a century of, of successful uh, uh, know-how and, and experience doing it. Well, there are some amazing consumer packaged goods companies out there. You and I both know. They always seem to know the right guy. They missed on the border. How did you spot on the border? Because it's really an incredible brand. Yeah, it's been it's really been incredible. Um, uh, honestly, uh, we were pursuing that brand back in 2016, 2017, um, you know, uh, uh, going public, right, being at the right place at the right time. I think because we were a public company, we had the ability to use some equity to uh, buy that brand. But really, at the end of the day, we saw the value of that brand. It was a hole in our portfolio. We did not have a large tortilla brand. It was a great brand. It had been around for 25 years. If you look at like the uh, presentation that we put forth and some of the data, the growth that we're bringing to that brand is really amazing. And it's not just in our core, our backyard, where we thought we'd add a lot of value to it. It's really in our emerging expansion as well. All, all three of those different geographies are outpacing the category tremendously. It's a great brand. And we've invested a lot of money in the supply chain to be able to get those products, those goods, the on-the-border tortillas, to the consumers. And a lot of, I think a lot of companies weren't doing that, and we had the ability to do that. So I think we're reaping the rewards now. Oh, it's well done. Now, as a Philadelphian, the one thing I'm always confused about is why you have, I think, the best pretzel. And yet you don't have the pretzel in a power brand foundation. And yet what would happen if you put some money behind it? You know they're fresh, they're great, and they're different. Yeah, no. So, so our our pretzel brand is Uts, and it's a uh, it's well over 130 million dollars of retail sales, and it's growing and outpacing the category. So, we have a fantastic, to your point, we have a fantastic brand um, within the Uts brand of of pretzels that is growing across the country. That is a power brand, and we are investing behind that. So, that one's been outpacing the category, and it's doing really well. It's a great brand. Oh, that's great. I'm glad to hear that because, I mean, sometimes you grow up and you, you, know, you have the old box. Your mom has the old box from 50 years ago, and you know that's just a, something that's iconic. And you have iconic brands. You have new brands. I really think you've got, you, you know, you've got the lineup. That I know at one point someone was telling me in the Consumer Package Good Group, we could wipe them out if we wanted to. I guess that's not really the case, is it? Well, I wouldn't say that. You know, um, I mean, I think retailers, especially over the last 12, 24 months, so much has happened since, let's say, March of 2020. Supply, 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 the ability to service, the demand is there. What, what is happening in many cases across CPG, it's 
It's the inability to supply it. We've invested a lot in supply. We have 100 years of know-how in creating, building, getting the products to market. So I think that's a big differentiator. And the customer, right, the retailer, they need multiple suppliers. To You can't put all your eggs in one basket. So they really do want uh, multiple suppliers. So we have the brands. We have the supply. Uh, we've been doing it for quite a long time. People are used to it. They expect it. Uh, and they know they can trust us to uh, deliver it. So I think that's some of the difference that, you know, it's not that easy to wipe someone like us off the, uh, uh, that's good. Off the board. One last question. I mean, I'm always worried about Ukraine. I mean, there's so much breadbasket. Uh, fine for, for us. Don't have to be too uh, nervous about how much is taken out of Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of concern there. You know, it's um, there's a couple commodities. There's some edible oil, sunflower oil, obviously wheat. I mean, each of those are components. And that's a big area of the, uh, of the world that people source uh, those two uh, primary um, uh, commodities from. You know, we've done a lot of work. We're pretty secure all the way through 2022. You know, who knows what the next couple of months will, um, will bear. Uh, but we've got a lot of uh, uh, confidence in our supply chain. And more importantly, when we talk about pricing, we do, cons- you know, we are concerned that there may be some pressure. But we think that we've got the, uh, the uh, technology, the people, and the know-how now to uh, ramp up that pricing if we need to, to respond to that inflation so that we can continue to you know, reinvest back into our supply chain to keep growing into the future. And the other thing you have is the cheese balls I'll take. We got some people over for the weekend. Everyone's always happy to see them because they just are so special. Dylan set. Amazing. See They're the best of us brands. I always feel like it's hometown because I'm from Philly, but it's nationwide. Thank you so much for coming on the show, sir. Good to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Man Money's back after the break. Coming up, Kramer's got you covered from A to Zebra. See if this stock earns its stripes next. Tell me about it. The last six months, they've been horrific for the vast majority of tech stocks. But some of these things are a lot more broken than others. The ones with no earnings, you know I think they're untouchable. The ones that make real money, on the other hand, do in fact get cheaper as they go lower. Take Zebra Technologies, part of the latter cohort, the enterprise asset intelligence company that helps clients streamline their supply chains and generally become more efficient. This thing's been a fabulous long-term winner, but over the last five months, the stock has plunged from $615 to $336. Hey, some of that's justified. Zebra was expensive late last year, and when they reported last week, the quarter had some hair on, as we say. While the company delivered a nice top and bottom line beat, their guidance for the current quarter was disappointing, and management also cut their full-year earnings forecast. But I think Zebra's problems are temporary. They didn't see any demand erosion. They're just having supply chain troubles that forced them to pay up for premium freight, like so many other companies. At these levels, the stock's selling for less than 18 times earnings. I don't remember when you could get it that cheap. Now, I'm thinking it's starting to get very enticing, although you can definitely afford to take your time pulling the trigger because you might get an even better entry point after the, the nice run-up today in the stock. So let's take a closer look with Anders Gustafsson. He's the CEO of Zebra Technologies to learn more about where his company is headed. Mr. Gustafsson, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you. It's nice to be back. All right, so Anders, one thing we want to get straight. There's absolutely no problem with demand. If anything, the demand was so great that you had trouble meeting the supply. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, Q1, we, we, we actually beat, as you said, both top and bottom line. We, we exceeded our guidance range on both. And uh, for the full year, we actually maintained our, 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 our uh, revenue guide. 
And uh, this is a very strong demand environment, but supply is definitely in, in short supply. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, we had some incremental costs that come out of uh, kind of the, the shutdowns in, or lockdowns in China and, and some of the Ch uh, Russian invasion costs that are caused by the Russian invasion of Ukraine that weighed on the full year outlook a bit. All right, so let's talk about the notion of labor saving. When I think of Zebra, what I think of is, is that in an era where it's hard to find employees, you can use Zebra in order to be able to make up somehow for those employees. How does that work? Yeah, no, we, we, you know, we provide uh, productivity improvements for frontline workers particularly. So we have a number of solutions, or almost all our solutions are helping to, to make our, you know, our, our customers more efficient. Ranging from retail to to healthcare and everything in between, so by you know if you take a, uh, an example would be you know uh, with our new uh, uh, autonomous mobile robots, you know the fetch acquisition we made last year, we can uh, we had a nice win with Rakuten, a company we uh, mm -hmm. announced a little while back, but we provide basically Rakuten with both autonomous mobile robots and with uh, wearable technology for the frontline workers, for the pickers in the warehouse. And we can then orchestrate the entire workflow for them. So not just the worker or the, uh, the, the, the robot as our competitors can do, but we have software that can coordinate them so that when you dispatch a, a, a robot, we can also then send a message to a worker to intercept the robot and go and, and uh, either put something on it or take something off it to minimize the dwell time and make the entire system that much more, more efficient. And uh, we can increase uh, picks per hour, which is the metric they use by a very large amount. Well, I think this might help maybe settle a question I was going to ask you, which is that you know, we have Prologis on quite a bit, and they are excellent. They're the best. We also know that Amazon said that they were a little over warehouse, so to speak. Is the solution not a zebra solution where if you uh, well, you don't have to lay people off. You just reprogram the computers. Yeah. So, you know, for, for uh, you know, warehouse, the, the warehouse space, say, or, you know, more broadly, we see great demand uh, there. You know, some customers now go or basically every customer goes through an investment cycle um, and some might be a little more invested than others. But overall, we see great demand for this. And our solutions are, are very much used by you know, warehouse operators, dis distribution operators to drive that uh, that that efficiency. And we, we, we help to basically make trade-offs between OPEX or CAPEX. So if, when in this environment, which is very labor constrained, right. you know, we can make the existing labor much more productive uh, uh, with, with our type of solutions. Okay. Now, when can we stop talking about premium freight for components? It seems like it some people say, uh, it, it, you know, Gary Friedman, a very smart guy at RH, which is a fantastic store, says it's only getting worse, not better. Yeah. The, the, so, you know, the, the, over the past two years, we've seen kind of a migration of, 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 of some of the issues. Now, it started off with freight being um, the, the, the issue that we talked about, the cost that we incurred. That has moderated. It was somewhat better in Q1 than it was in Q4. Our, our you know, cost per kilo was coming down, not to what it was pre-pandemic, but it certainly was down. We, we were forecasting now that it was going to basically hold at these levels for the rest of the year. Hopefully, there's some upside to that, but that's what we're forecasting. The other part that's come in is around uh, you know, component shortages, semiconductor shortages. And we're now spending uh, a lot more money on securing uh, long lead time parts um, and having to expedite them to, to our facilities and then expediting uh, the, 
finished goods to our customers. You know, we, we're very much trying to prioritize meeting our customers' needs and, and delivery times, and therefore we are putting uh, everything basically on air freight versus uh, putting it in a, in a container on ocean, which obviously will be much cheaper. But as, right. as we go through the year, we expect that we will get better supply and we will be able to put more things on ocean. Uh, one last question. When you're in healthcare, are you part of the solution of trying to make sure that there's not more malpractice, people know what to do, or are you making it so that uh, in the contagious diseases that we've just had with COVID, uh, Zebra makes it so that it's safer for the frontline workers? We do both. So, you know, we, we do a lot of things around uh, you know, to improve the quality of care. So if you think of you know, being ensure, ensuring that the, the right patients get the right medication, the right dose at the right time, that is uh, helping uh, minimize uh, uh, errors in healthcare. And, and healthcare providers that have our type of, of solution, they have generally a lower health insurance premium than, than right. others. But we also help make uh, uh, people more safe and making vaccine if, uh, more, more efficient quality control. So we, we, we drive both the quality of care as well as the efficiency of care. Well, these are all the things that are timeless. They don't go away. And I think that once you solve the problem of how much it costs to get the components, we're going to see the numbers all the way back up. Anders Gustafsson, Zebra Technology CEO. We have liked this stock for so long, and we've been right. It's come down. Maybe it's time again. Thank you so much, Anders. Good to see you. Thank you so much. Look, sometimes you get a break in a stock because the market's so crummy. This is one of those instances. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up next. Let's make money together. What do we got? Kramer's bringing the thunder and answering your burning questions in today's edition of The Lightning Round. It is time. It's over the and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Keep that. The lightning round comes I'm going with Blaine in Kansas. Blaine. Yo, Kramer, I want to hear about T-E-L-L Raytheon. Tell Orion. Okay, now this is, we know he's only the chairman, but this is Sharif Suki. For younger people out there, listen to me. I want you to spend five bucks and buy this. Older people, you should be buying LNG, but younger people, put it away. It could be the next star. I want to go to Mike in Florida. Mike. Jimmy Chill, what's going on, man? The, the Chill Man's been very nice to the people lately on Twitter because, you know what? Even every every dog deserves to be kicked. A few, okay. No, I, I, I've been a good man. What's happening with you? Well, I wanted to get your opinion on the company Big Commerce. My math shows projected to have a billion dollars in revenue in the next five to six years off the CEO's projections. I wanted to get your thoughts. Mike, 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 I am not going to recommend a stock in a sea of stocks that are so good that are down that is losing money. I'm sorry. I can't play ball on that one. I wish I could because I like your attitude. Michael in California. Michael. Hi, Jeff. Michael. How's it going? Not bad. How about you? Uh, big, big fan, man. Uh, first time caller, long time listener. Excellent. Uh, I'm calling about a stock that I believe in because it seems like uh, every time you walk into any store, you see it. Uh, the stock's going to be the ticket for SQ to Square. Uh, I totally agree with you. Um, I wanted, I really wanted Mr. Hoosier on who's the CFO, because I thought it was quite a fine quarter. They had a lot of gross profit in a lot of different places. People didn't read through. Had they read through, they would have realized what I did. They did a very good job. How about Nathan in Ohio? Nathan. 
Hi, Jim. I have a question about an industrial manufacturing company, uh, sure. Regal Rexnord, RRX. Surprise, the Rexnord's down this low. My old friend, Aaron Burnett, and I used to talk about how this was a great industrial load. I'm not backing away. I think it's a good one. I would be a buyer. How about Jeremy, North Carolina, Jeremy? A big happy Friday. Booyah to you, Jimmy Chill. Couldn't agree more there, my friend. What's happening? Yeah, just trying to get some uh, mad money or some Kramer cash so I can uh, buy some more uh, Brioni and Ferragamo so I can be like you, uh, the best dressed man. I like your taste, my Wall friend. Street. I like it. What's up? Um, calling about ticker symbol PLD. All right, uh, pro logist, that tribal. You know, we had we had a meet Mugadon uh, on oh, not that long ago. What happened is this. Amazon said they had too much warehouse space that hurt the stock. I'd say that these guys are the right price. you got to buy PLD. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Exhausting weeks lead to bad decision-making. What made this week so exhausting? Well, you had the usual suspects, the Fed slamming the brakes on the economy. Russia, Ukraine, and the Chinese lockdown. And then this new one, the notion that the cryptocurrency world is breaking down, which could do real damage to the entire economy. Now, if you step back for a moment, which is much easier to do after an obsession like we had today, it's clear stocks have come down to levels that we haven't seen in quite some time. And many of those stocks now become bargains. Let me give you a classic example. Apple. Now, here's a high-quality company that makes real things, generates real profits, and returns some of those to shareholders with a good dividend and a big buyback. Plus, the stock now sells at a reasonable valuation, given that it's down nearly 20% from its highs. Apple trades at 24 times earnings, which is not too much for the best consumer technology product company in the world. Now, sure, they may have labor issues. I can play those up. I don't want to. A couple of stores, a Chinese lockdown, which they've already told you is going to hurt them. Although sooner or later, we believe that lockdown rationally will end. What matters more, though, is that you can now buy Apple down big from its highs. Of course, the stock can go even lower. I'm not saying that. But all I can say is that buying Apple down 20% from its peak has been a surefire recipe for success over the last two decades. And remember, it's down principally because of worries about crypto. And that's just the most obvious example. We've seen a wholesale collapse in price earnings multiples without any widespread collapse in the actual earnings. Now, we know this because we had Sanjay Marotra. He's the cerebral CEO of Micron on the show last night. And he says well, he sees strong growth in every part of the tech food chain except for the lowest NPCs. That's a win, people. That's a change, change at the margin. He doesn't even want to be in that low NPC business. Hey, by the way, he even said cell phones are doing well, which took me by surprise. And other people do because those stocks only moved. I thought cell phones were supposed to be finished. Apparently not. It's like this all over the place. Facebook is holding back on hiring because Mark Zuckerberg knows he'll soon be able to get all the best engineers who are about to be laid off by the legion of tech startups that can no longer come public because the stock market's bad. I don't know about you, but I listened to Deirdre Bosa's unbelievably good interview with Sundar Pichai from Alphabet, and I said, how the heck is it possible we get a chance to buy that stock at a roughly 20 times earnings level? I think it's a steal, which is why my charitable trust owns it. Look, I know we're in a distinctly suboptimal moment. We've got real problems, but they're not spread across the whole market evenly. And now they've taken down the stocks of good companies along with the bad. That means you need to have some cash on hand to buy the good ones. If you don't, that means you have to sell something like you 
may be one you don't like. Here's an, a painful example for me. We've owned Boeing for the Chapel Trust. It's been a nightmare. Now, we sold some higher to profit. That was good. But then we kept some on because I thought it was a great reopening trade. That wasn't good. I knew Boeing was poorly run, but I figured they've only got one meaningful competitor. How badly could they do? Apparently real bad. Since then, Boeing's gotten worse and worse to the point where this company has the mother of all credibility problems. Their answer moved the company headquarters from Chicago to Washington. Hey, I remember when the answer was they moved it from Seattle to Chicago 20 years ago. I have a memory. That was supposed to be the answer. It wasn't. Insult to injury. Today, we learned from Reuters that Boeing can still be even further away from Dreamliner inspection approval by the FAA. Hey, by the way, something I was assured could happen a year ago. Now, I don't want my charitable trust to be tied up with Boeing anymore. I know it's a loss. I hate taking a loss, but the loss was already there. The stock was down. I don't think I want anyone from the current board of directors to be running that company. It's time for a new broom to sweep clean, including the current CEO. Harsh charge, I don't care anymore. An all-new team would have been better. I'd much rather swap out of this loser and swap into any of the great companies you've heard from on the show all week. So that's exactly what we're doing for the Chapel Trust. I recommend you do the same. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.